0: what is a viewer a kind little pile of likes and subs but enough talk subscribe now hey guys welcome back to nerd talk today we're going to be discussing castlevania season one episode two necropolis directed by sam Dietz and written by warren ellis this episode picks up Immediately after the previous one finished remember these four episodes were written more as a movie So this is just a continuation of that scene Uh, We are in a bar a man has just run into the bar in a panic Dracula's horde is sweeping west and they're wondering is it gonna come to their town? Is it gonna kill them all this one guy this rabble rouser? He's kind of like I don't know the bully of the town now. He's on this kind of he's on his soapbox Talking about how the Belmonts, everything that's happening is because of the Belmonts. The Belmont family dealt in black arts. Cue to this drunken guy that we saw in a previous episode. He has a scar across one of his eyes. He has this big cloak. It's all tattered. And he is drunk. He's red-faced and drunk. And he stumbles to the bar and he just wants his nightcap. Um, As he's reaching for his money, his cloak lifts up and... Off to the side, that Ravelrazor sees a family crest. They piece together that it's, this man is a Belmont, and that bully from before. It's your fault this is happening. You know, it's your family. It's everything that's been done. Everyone knows that your family dealt in black magic, um, and dealt with the devil, and dealt with evil, and dealt with demons. And Trevor's uh, becomes a little indignant. He says, "My family fought demons." He may be a degenerate drunk, but he still has the pride of the Belmonts that their family was trying to do good in the world, was trying to protect the people of this country, of Wallachia, and they turned against uh, the Belmont family, These their protectors, their best chance at stopping Dracula. A bar fight ensues and you, you kind of get glimpses of just how good Trevor is, um, but he loses and that that, this is something that it's kind of a weird gap you'll see is that this guy who loses a bar fight to these three like yokels he's gonna be the guy that stops Dracula he's a vampire hunter what so two things to keep in mind is uh, Trevor is drunk he is like vomit drunk Um, and then the second kind of prong to why Trevor lost the fight, I'm going to discuss in the summation, but let's to say he loses the fight and he gets booted from the bar. Trevor wakes up the next morning uh, under a tree. He's just, he was just sleeping there because he doesn't have a home anymore, right? He's just this transient now. Um, and in his view is uh, Greshnit. That was a city to the west of Targovista. So if the Horde, if Castlevania emerged from Targovista, remember that, beautiful cathedral from episode one that was the capital city they're sweeping west so west of that would be greshnet this city where this episode uh the next three episodes in fact will be taking place trevor finds that the city's on lockdown the gates have been um barricaded so he has to sneak in another way this city has been under attack by dracula's hordes not the main horde mind you causing havoc in this city and it's interesting that Dracula doesn't just want the people dead, he wants them afraid. Otherwise he would just, you know, why would the demons be sending scouts ahead? He would just send the main horde and have them sweep through the countryside just killing everything in the path. Which they are doing, but there seems to be uh, sorties ahead of the main, um, the main cluster of demons. These demons, what they're doing is... They're killing citizens in their homes. They're stealing babies. We see a bloody crib, but we don't see the child. Um, It's gory, and Trevor actually walks by a pit of dead bodies. This has been going on for some time for Greshnet, and there's just a pit full of the dead, and they don't know what to do with it, Uh, and that's probably helping uh, Dracula's cause. It's causing more fear. Dracula uh, is vengeful and he doesn't just want them dead he wants them to suffer in their everyday lives and this is a very effective way of doing it um, trevor is going about the town and he's speaking with the locals and we learn a couple things we learn the legend of the sleeping soldier which is some ancient um, legend in Gresnet, uh that one day in a time of dire need a sleeping soldier who sleeps underneath the city Will rise and fight off evil. That's the first thing we learn. The second thing we learn is that there are people called speakers in the city and the third thing we learn is that the church has been scapegoating these speakers as the cause of the demonic attacks even though we know that it was the church and the bishop from episode 1 who is you know at fault for this situation. Again, another scathing indictment of you know how the Catholic Church or religion in general manipulates people to consolidate their own power. Trevor is walking by an alley where an old man in this blue robe is being assaulted by two priests. One of the priests pulls out a, it looks like a cross, but he's going to bludgeon this uh, old man with it. And Trevor tries to ignore it, walk away, walk away, but... His better instincts uh, get a hold of him, and he saves the uh, old man. He fights off these two priests. Uh, He escorts the old man back to uh, his house. Now, these group, this group of people, they dress in blue robes. They're called speakers. Uh, They keep an oral tradition, which is to say, their entire history is not written down on paper because. Um, history is a live thing and paper is dead so they travel the world trying to gather as much knowledge as they can and memorize it to pass it down to the next generation Uh, again they're a nomadic tribe uh, you know reminiscent of the Romani they are in popular media at least they have some of the more uh, prominent beliefs and traditions regarding how vampires should be warded off Um, so it's interesting that these speakers are based on them. But these speakers, they travel the world not only to gather knowledge, but to help whoever they can. These people are better Christians than the Christians we've been seeing portrayed in uh, episode one and episode two, the, the, the real priests and things like that. And they're, they're not even Christian, they're just good people. It's a good statement in that you don't have to be Christian to be a good person, you can just be a good person. Trevor is strongly advising these people to leave the city because the church has been spreading around the rumor that if if the speakers can be killed or driven off before sundown the demons won't attack. So the speakers now are the cause of this demonic attack. So it's interesting we're seeing the different viewpoints. Some people are blaming the Belmonts, some people are blaming the speakers. And the church is encouraging this as a mechanism to shield themselves from criticism, not only to consolidate power, but to make sure that their position is un- uncontested, that no one else can save the people but the church, even though we've seen that the church is doing much more damage than, you know, the speakers or the Belmonts would be doing. In fact, the church is kind of feckless so far. Uh, they're... they're you know, thugs at the moment so uh, it, it's an interesting contrast the speakers say they can't leave because they're waiting for the return of a missing speaker who went in search of the sleeping soldier I discussed earlier Trevor despite his best efforts volunteers to try and find this missing speaker he'll travel down into the catacombs where they think this uh, sleeping soldier lies and try to find the speaker, bring the speaker back, hopefully then be able to help these speakers get out of the city. And that's the end of episode two. Uh, so, some thoughts on episode two. It's a, I love this episode. I, I really, really do. I love this entire first season. Um, I just love this show in general. I'm sorry, I, I'm gonna gush. During each of these reviews, I'm gonna be gushing about this show. It's, it's darn near perfect. Ah, okay, uh, regarding the Belmonts, um, so we know from the games that the reputation of the Belmonts kind of rises and falls through the ages. Uh, sometimes they're the part of the in-group, sometimes they're on the outskirts of society, um, and that usually depends on how recently an, a Dracula attack was. Uh, it, it's showing, obviously, how fickle uh, people are that... Uh, when in need, they'll come running for a savior, but they're just as willing to push that savior away when um, when you know they don't feel they're valuable. At this particular time, the Belmonts are on the decline, and f- it came to a head when uh, the peasants, the small folk, finally rose up against the Belmonts, burned down their home, drove them to exile, and or maybe killed them all except for this main character, Trevor Belmont, who is the main character of Castlevania Three. Um, Trevor is now just a bitter angry cynical man Um, but deep down he still has the heart of a true hero the heart of a Belmont and uh, we learn a little bit more or we get glimpses of what uh, the Belmont family home looked like and their kind of legacy. Oh. Throughout the games, the church has usually been portrayed as the ally of the Belmonts. Um, This might... This is more consistently true, I want to say, from the games, I'll say maybe following Simon's adventure. Uh, Simon Belmont is uh, the main character, the protagonist of the first Castlevania game, and I don't know if it's ever made clear in that game, but I kind of feel like around that time the church would have been uh, making good with the Belmonts. And then certainly from the 18th century, I think we get more references. Certainly from the uh, Igarashi Symphony of the Night era, we kind of learn a little more about the church and their interaction with the Belmonts, uh, that they were uh, working together to fight Dracula. And that would kind of come to a head in one of the later games, which takes place in a more modern setting where the church is very very clearly said to be working with the Belmonts Uh, but at this time you know this uh, medieval period uh, you know superstition reigns supreme and distrust of nobles uh, is high and you know distrust of things that could be perceived as black magic might might in fact just lead to yeah okay let's burn these people out of their homes and why are we paying taxes to these nobles who are probably devil worshippers they're not but you could see how the you could see how it would be seen that way you have this family who are supernaturally powerful they have a deep knowledge deep understanding of the evil things that lurk in the night Um, they're probably been seen carrying uh, evil relics or mystical items back to their homes Uh, and we get a glimpse of just how deep into mysticism the Belmonts are in terms of studying it and trying to understand it in order to be be able to combat it and protect humanity we know that we the audience knows that but you know the small people are kind of dumb I mean the the one guy on his soapbox his the first story the introduction we got from him was about he had to hit a guy with a shovel because he was fornicating with his goat uh like these aren't bright people, they're not educated, they're not rational and then they're being spurned on by the church which is seen as you know the voice of God on earth. Yeah I could see how they would rise up. It doesn't make it right but it's understandable certainly these people and their motivations um, but obviously we're more sympathetic to the Belmonts because there are heroes. But um, I want to talk about a couple lines but during the bar fight Trevor kind of stands up. He got punched in the face. He stands up. He goes, I fought expletive vampires. You don't want to mess with me. That kind of thing, right? And that means that it, it looks like, you know, fighting demons was not just for the chosen one of the family. That maybe it was a family effort. Like a bunch of them would go out hunting vampires, hunting demons to protect the land. Which makes it even worse that um, the, the peasantry would rise up against them because it wasn't just... Okay, every once, every once in a while when Dracula rises up, the, the Belmonts will step up for battle. Nope, they were actively protecting the community and the countryside, and they were still turned on by these uh, ignorant peasants. Oh, so how did Trevor lose the bar fight? I talked about how he was drunk, and that should really, really be enough. Uh, but given what we'll see later and you know what we understand of the Belmont fighting ability... Even that drunk, he probably should have won, right? Well, yeah, but there's a certain caveat to all this—that this was a bar brawl. Uh, this wasn't combat in this, you know, in a more desperate sense of the word. Which is to say, if Trevor had even vomit drunk turned it on, even for a moment, everyone in the bar would be dead pretty quickly. I, I think part of it's just that. It's something that we're gonna see a lot through this episode and it the show the show has been doing a very good job of paralleling Dracula and Trevor which is to say that both of them are in similar circumstances they're both noble people who had something taken away from them something dear their livelihood their something they love by the church right um, Dracula had Lisa taken away from him and because of that he turned to rage. Trevor had his family taken away from him and he turned to cynicism. Um, Their circumstances are at least kind of mirroring each other. But both of them also have a facade. They have the thing they present when we first see them but we also get glimpses of what's underneath it. when. During episode one, we see Dracula. He is presenting the dark scary, fearsome demon. He's intimidating Lisa, trying at least. But she breaks through, and we see that he's kind of a nice guy underneath it. I mean, he's he understands that he's a dark power, but there's a capacity for good, and there's a capacity for love in there. Trevor is doing the same thing. Trevor is giving the image of being a drunkard of being a cynic, of being angry. And not that that's not who he is. That's a part of who he is. But his inability to turn away from protecting the people. So he saves the elder speaker, even though he tried to ignore it. Here, he could kill everyone in the bar who's attacking him. But his what, I'll, what I believe to be his Belmont training, his Belmont indoctrination, which is to say the Belmonts, understand that their meaning comes from protecting the people from evil protecting the people he might scuffle with them he might make them bleed a little bit give them a good punch but he doesn't want to harm them he's their protector even if they don't understand it yet and sometimes tough love is a thing you know he'll get into a bar brawl and you know that's that could be just all in good fun as well you know it's um that's a very, very fantasy trope, is the bar brawl. Um But he didn't do them any serious harm. And I think that's more a reflection on the inner goodness of Trevor. Uh, another good line from the fight. Um, Trevor keeps getting uh, kicked in the nuts. And so he just said, would you please leave my testicles alone? On Small Man Productions presents Man Getting Hit. By football. Oh, I just love that line. It's very crass, uh, but it shows that this Belmont—you know—he's a nobleman, but he's on the outskirts. He's—he's he's, uh, crass and rude, and he, he doesn't have the finesse of a nobleman anymore. Uh, and you know, he's just this transient now. He—he's a degenerate for all intensive purposes. Um, what's scary is that. We see that in greshnet at least, the church has hired uh, thugs and made them priests. Uh, they are the church's enforcers in greshnet The bishop, who could that be? Uh, the bishop is using these thugs dressed in priests outfits. I mean, technically, they're probably ordained, but, you know, ordained, right? Uh, we're going to actually find out that there's there's... An actual functional difference between real priests and these priests who have been probably ordained a name or like falsely ordained. Probably um, in episode three or episode four, we'll uh, learn more about it. But it's scary to think of that the church is hiring thugs as almost like mob enforcers. You know, they were gonna beat the crap out of this one speaker. Uh, they pull out weaponry. The one guy had the club in the shape of the cross and another guy just pulled out a knife now this one priest who pulls out a knife he never talks he's super agile and he uses a knife a short right a short knife i think this is a reference to grant a character from castlevania 3 which is the which this show is adapting grant won't be in season one, he won't be in season two. Um, they just had to cut some characters and uh, Warren Ellis felt that Grant, who's a pirate, um, it didn't really fit in with this, with the world he was creating. I didn't know that at the time I watched this for the first time, I was hoping that this guy would become Grant and he would end up teaming up with uh, Trevor, but it didn't happen that way and that's fine, but I think this was a nice little homage to it a nice reference to it again that fan service that's not obtrusive it's not hey this is grant it's just a guy who never talks he's very agile and he uses a knife real nice i liked it oh uh now the elder speaker who was gonna get beat up by those priests he is voiced by breytak from Stargate sg1 and he is a great great voice actor uh, I love that they chose this cast. This entire cast, this entire voice cast is nothing short of amazing. Uh, they capture this tone very well and all of them are very distinguished voice actors or and actors in their own right. Uh, during the scene where the priests are trying to beat up the elder speaker, uh, the speaker has this great cutting line to the priest. So the priests, these two priests also believe that by driving up the speakers the demon attacks will stop. So they're about to beat him up and this one big lug of a priest holds the speaker by his chin, holds him up and he's going to hit him on the head. And the speaker says, will killing an old man make you less scared of the dark? And it's so biting, it's so good because that's pretty much what the church has been encouraging. Kill these scapegoats and you'll be less afraid. That's the power of redirecting fear at a scapegoat. It's something that uh, despots, demagogues, fear mongers have been doing throughout history. Here's an issue our society is facing. We don't really understand how to fix it, but okay, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna give you a simple solution that you can understand, that you can redirect your fear and therefore your hate toward. And since I'm the one who gave you the answers, you're going to trust in me again the church consolidating its power amongst the small folk it's both brilliant but it's also very very poignant it's timeless in the fact that this is a cycle that happens over and over in human history are these people who weaponize fear not only against an enemy but use it to solidify their own power base. Oh okay so this episode we get the first sighting of Trevor using a whip. Uh, He uses his whip to stop the priests from attacking the elder speaker. He cuts off one's finger and he pulls out another guy's eye. Uh, Now notice I didn't say vampire killer which is the name of the whip used by the Belmonts in the games upon first watch you can assume it's vampire killer but we find out in season 2 that it's probably not. That it's just a holy, enchanted whip. Um, which opens up a lot of interesting roads because what that means is if the real you know, vampire killer, which is the most powerful holy weapon at the Belmont's disposal, and the most effective tool at fighting against Dracula is not what Trevor's using. That means the Belmonts are just making other kind of lesser holy whips. So that might mean that every member of the Belmont family got a holy whip, and that it wasn't just the one chosen Belmont wielding vampire killer who was sent out to fight the darkness. Maybe it was a family effort. Maybe there were, you know, kind of the way that uh, you know some families go hunting—a father and his sons. Maybe there were, you know, Belmont family uh, raids into the darkness. Or you know, okay, it's about this time of year. We know the demons are coming, so uh, they would gather their extended Belmont line, each of them bearing a whip, and say, "Okay, you're this team. You head this way. uh, We're gonna head east. You guys head south, and we'll clear this area." Or you know maybe okay we're getting reports that in Greshnet there are demons so we're gonna send in a team of three or four Belmonts but we also know that we have to keep some people here to hold the line. It opens up a lot of interesting roads for the history and the battle tactics and the world of Castlevania that it's much deeper than the single lone hero storming into the castle. Uh, that maybe the Belmonts war. On evil was ev- was ongoing. It was always proceeding. Right. It wasn't just whenever Dracula sprung up, they sent out the most powerful Belmont. They were trying to keep Wallachia safe from demons. And if so, that makes it more tragic what the peasants did, because that means that the Belmonts were basically their uh, paranormal police force. They were protecting the communities from. Uh, the more mundane and lesser, but still dangerous demons and forces of evil and yet the small folks still turned on them and that just adds so much more tragedy that these uh, Belmonts were constantly putting their life on the line Con- you know it- it's different than like once every generation, one Belmont stops Dracula and then they just they're sitting on their laurels, the, the other you know ha- rest of the hundred years until the next. Uh, occasion when Dracula rises. If they're constantly fighting how do the small people not understand that the Belmonts are there to protect them but by the same token why weren't the Belmonts making better connections with the community better community outreach you know making sure that people know you are safe we are here to protect you. Was the church's propaganda just that strong? Maybe but uh, you know we have to as this world gets deeper, as the seasons continue in this Netflix series, hopefully that's something that's gonna be explored. Uh, another thought I had, both at the time, I watched this for the first time, and just again as I was uh, re-watching it, is how were the peasants able to overcome the Belmonts? Um, I, th- I think it's just a macro version of what happened in the bar, is that the Belmonts were sworn to protect these people. They maybe defended themselves as best as possible, But once they realize, you know, there's a horde of, you know, humans bearing torches coming to our house, they just scattered. Um, so the Belmonts are in exile at least or were wiped out at worst. Um, Trevor says in this episode, I'm the last son of the Belmont family, which kind of implies that they're all dead, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they all died in the peasant uprising. It just means that, you know, maybe while they were in exile, some got sick, some were injured. Uh, because, you know, again, they're not they're sworn not to harm these people. They're sworn to protect them. So, they you know, uh, they would f- push them off. But if there were enough of them, the more prudent option, while still holding true to their duty of protecting the people, or at least doing no harm, is to run away. And maybe as they're running, you know, the peasants had some archers or something like that. So uh, I, I'm torn about whether or not I want to see the uprising in full in a future season or just kind of catch glimpses of it or just leave it to my imagination. Uh, what do you guys think? You know, post that down in the comments. Ah, uh, we got the introduction of what's going to become Trevor's catchphrase. I don't care. I don't care Uh, Trevor is a broken cynical degenerate right he's a drunk he doesn't care about protecting the people because why should he they betrayed him why should he care about the people who burned down his family home and killed his family he says it but he clearly cares but I just like the line itself and I love the way Richard Armitage uh, reads it because it's just it's this tired it's very comical it's a comical line I don't care it's that tired kind of uh, snappy sarcastic comeback but this is gonna pay off a little bit later in episode 4 so stay tuned for that in summation I just want to say this is a great great episode Uh, there's very very little violence in terms of actual combat we see the aftermath of Demon attacks. So there's violence in that way, violence and gore in that way. But we don't see actually like fighting aside from the bar fight and the fight with the priest. And both the bar fight was just a, a barroom brawl, and the the priest fight was all over very quickly. It wasn't very spectacular. But this entire episode, what it did well was build tension. This episode is. Th- thick with tension. It's, it's setting the stage but we're starting to understand the stakes. We see the aftermath of Dracula's attacks but those are just small time attacks. What's going to happen when the Horde finally arrives in force? This is good storytelling. It, it just goes to show that you don't need amazing spectacle to tell a good story or tell a tense story, an action story. I was excited during this episode, I I felt the tension, I felt connected to the This, I I just love it man. Everything about it, the storytelling, the voice acting, the presentation, the art, this is an amazing series and this was an amazing episode so I'll give it uh, 5 priest eyes torn out by a whip. Oof, that feels odd. Anyways, guys, uh, thanks for watching. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Nerd Dan, and on Instagram at Nerd underscore Talk underscore Dan. Sorry, they wouldn't let me take Nerd Talk Dan for Instagram. I guess someone else has it, which is a weird thing. Um, find the traitor. Find the imposter. Um, anyways, uh, if you've been liking uh, these reviews. I have plenty more coming, uh, episode 3 and 4 coming up, and of course, season 2. Also, uh, there's a special Let's Talk About coming regarding the Castlevania video games, so i look forward to that. If you've been liking my content, please, 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 like and subscribe. Bell icon for notifications when I release a new video. Until then, good hunting, nerds.